All right, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you. Out of the gates, I'm just going to break it down like this. I want to dance with somebody, okay? I want to feel the heat with somebody, somebody who loves me. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. You know that song pops into your head once a week. Just me? It can't just be me. I refuse to believe Whitney Houston only resides in my dome. Whitney remains the best of the best. You could tell me some other decent performers, but that's my first concert. Oakland Coliseum back in the early 90s. Elegant. Whitney. Addressing the crowd between songs. Saying things that I didn't really understand at age 9 or 10. But damn, what a beauty. And I know we all miss her. And I realize this has nothing to do with anything I'm planning to talk about tonight. But what am I planning to talk about tonight? I guess my desire to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat. Oh, he's hitting the notes early. You're damn right. And you could picture that album cover, can't you? Whitney in the white tank top. You could picture it right now. Mid-dance move. Big smile. Big old frizzy curly hair. Cool font. Just says Whitney right across the album. You could picture that album cover. Are there even album covers anymore? How are teens consuming music? Really, an album cover used to be something you just stared at. As you listen to the music, you just stared at an album cover. And if it was a photograph or if it was art, it meant something. The old guy's going on a rant about how things used to mean something. It meant something, an album cover. And now, this is true. Teens with the earbuds in their ears at all times, the AirPods in their ears at all times. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, does the music even mean anything? I mean, are there times where there's not music for teens or is it just a constant soundtrack to their lives? Always earbuds in, always AirPods in, always headphones at all times. They don't want to experience natural sound. They don't want any mindful, meditative sounds of planet Earth. They just want a constant soundtrack. Earbuds are constantly a part of their wardrobes. They just, you know, put on their clothes for school. They probably grab their wallet, grab their keys, grab their cell phone, throw in the ear pods, AirPods, whatever they're called, and they don't even think twice about it. That's why they're not being defiant, but if it's a class rule, hey, no earbuds, no listening to music, they're like, well, guess what, pal? That doesn't work for us. And power in numbers, I'm losing this battle. As a teacher, I'm losing the battle. So I even asked them, all right, who could still learn while they listen to music? I had this conversation recently with a bunch of teens who can still learn who can still hear me with a little music everyone's hand went up and they weren't kidding they were being genuine and i was projecting my own inability to multitask and listen to music while i study or learn onto all of them so it was a learning moment i went all right all right all right well if i assign you something and it helps then i'll allow it and my wife who's an occupational therapist she even talked about the value of making sure kids are in a good learning environment, that all their sensory needs are being met for them to have an optimal learning experience. Okay, so it's good for us older teachers to learn about the new generation and what their comfort zone is. Because let's be honest, we're still putting all of them in desks, which might not be the ideal comfort zone for learning. So if we could tweak it here, tweak it there, alter some rules, I'll advance, I'll move on. But I still want to know, what are they listening to? It's not like they're listening to classical, right? You would think, well, Josh, just let them listen to Beethoven and Mozart and let them listen to Brahms. And of course, it'll be conducive to them understanding the curriculum. No, 
they're probably bumping some grunt rap, some new rapper that I would hate. But there I go again. I can't just project what my taste is onto them. I got to keep telling myself that. I ask them what they're listening to very often, and they often say, I don't know. I go, no, I'm asking you a question. You're not in trouble. Just what are you listening to? And I think they just click on playlists, like someone else just created an endless playlist, and they go, rap. I go, but who? And they get annoyed. What do you need to know? I'm like, I'm curious. Who are you? You don't know the music you're listening to? It's very weird. Does the music have any meaning? You listen to lyrics? Or is it just you can't stand the sounds of silence? Natural, no score, no soundtrack, no beats. Just humans talking. They need a teach, 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 teach. Actually, now that I think about it, it probably adds a little flavor to the day. But really, you would think they at least know what they're listening to. It's all just a pick and choose playlist. Hits and hits. Variety packs. No one's listening to an album first track through 15th track. That's not happening anymore. Listening to an album in order of songs. That's not happening anymore. Also, as I examine the Utes, as I examine the next generation, I can tell you this right now, and I've had conversations about this, but some of the kids are still wearing masks, and it has nothing to do with COVID. It's not COVID-related at all. It's a bit sad when you think about it, but they're just able to hide. They want to be anonymous. For every kid that wants all the attention, all the popularity, for all the look at me, look at me, look at me kids, there's many more who are the exact opposite. Don't call on me. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. Don't evaluate me. Don't engage. Maybe it's based in anxiety or low self-esteem, but there's a lot of those issues you see, and they might still like the mask idea. In no way is it about COVID protection anymore for a lot of these teens. Because you don't have to wear a mask anymore at school. But when I see some of them in the halls with their hood on, their mask on, kind of hunched into their own shoulders, just a blockade. Don't notice me. Don't talk to me. I get it. They have another layer they can add. That used to be unheard of. Used to be unheard of. Before COVID, the idea of I'm going to wear a mask to school today. I'm going to wear a mask out into society. So people might just overlook me. There's a lot of people that don't want to be noticed. I know that's the opposite of how a lot of people describe this generation. A lot of people would say, no, that's the Instagram generation where they're just all over social media looking for attention, looking for attention. Some of them, not all though. Not all. I see some of the shyest humans ever. Yet when I do get to know them, they're only shy in a classroom setting. It's very weird. A lot of them have quality written work. They express themselves with their writing. Or maybe they have a group of friends where they really come out of the shell a little bit. But in that setting, 30 desks, one teacher trying to facilitate a discussion. I'd say 70% of them are like, don't look at me, don't talk to me. Don't look at me, don't talk to me. Don't call on me. That's my biggest hurdle. As a high school teacher, that's my biggest hurdle. Their age, more than anything. Is that they're 16, 17-year-olds? Why am I so interested in it? I'm 41. Of course I'm interested in talking about Teddy Roosevelt. I'm interested in talking about American imperialism. What do I expect? 
I mean, I expect them to be focused and attentive to pass the class. I expect that some of them will get into the content, but really, if I take a step back and think of myself at age 16, 17, it was all about sports, comedy, and hip-hop. None of it, none of it academics, none of it registered, none of it resonated. I mean, I liked Spanish class, but it helps. I could be empathetic. It helps that I was not really examining social issues back then. Not at all. That's why I think nowadays, when I read about this stuff from racism, slavery, the roots of it, anti-Semitism, the origins to what we're seeing right now in the news, I'm like fascinated studying it. And then I try to bring that enthusiasm into a classroom thinking that they're all going to clamor on to the energy. And then guess what? And then this is where it happens. You know, sometimes they're just going to be 16, 17-year-olds wearing a mask to say, don't look at me. They're not disrespectful, but there's just an element of, I'm not into this from a lot of teens. It's the whole system. You run them through the gauntlet. English to history, to math, to science, to PE, to Spanish, to music. And then by the end of the day, they're just like, whew. Exhaust and then shove them into the extracurriculars. I was at a staff meeting where one of the other teachers said, high school sucks, right? Like for most of these kids, and I didn't think of it that way. I was like, really? High school sucks? Like I could debate the opposite perspective. Is that like, no, these are four years where there's a lot of support, a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances to get to know like-minded people. But it still has that sense for a lot of people of, no, this this is going to suck. Maybe it is important for teachers to understand that. Now, that is a challenging captive crowd. On many days, they're going to come in tired with other thoughts. And you're shoving formulas and equations and labs and grammar and multiple choice tests into their face. And we're shoving the timed mile in their face. And we're shoving Shakespeare in front of their face and we're shoving the branches of government and we're shoving the periodic table of elements into their world and we're shoving osmosis and mitosis and meiosis into their faces and we're shoving the causes of World War One into their faces? They're just trying to listen to music. They're just trying to get through the day. Actually, a lot of them are excelling and succeeding and absolutely wonderful, which makes it fun. But it's interesting to try to study a group of humans. It's interesting because these are the next decision makers on planet Earth. That's why it's important to get to know the next generation. What are they going to be about? Hopefully better than all of us. Isn't that the hope? As all the patterns of hate just resurface. Every two weeks, a new article about anti-Semitism, a new celebrity saying something anti-Semitic, a new politician doing something racist, a new world leader saying something oppressive. It's all a rerun. We've seen it all before. I mean, honestly, if we're going to jump into anti-Semitism for a moment, why are we beating around the bush? There's an elephant in the room. All right. So these Kanye comments, these Kyrie Irving comments that are in all of our news feeds, if in fact... You're dialed into Kanye and Kyrie. It does become a saga. The initial alarming comments. The reaction. 
the press conferences, the interviews, the comments, the PR statements, the sponsorships leaving, the scripted apology, or the retraction of an apology. It's dramatic right now. Or it feels dramatic. Now, personally, I like rap, but I've never been like a big Kanye fan. I do picture like, what if Tupac, who I loved, all of a sudden just stepped aside from his music? Because I don't think Kanye's lyrics have expressed any anti-Semitism. It's just his comments or what he posts. But Tupac, you know, his lyrics felt like they meant something when I was 15. What if he was just interviewed and talked about his dislike of Jews? That would appear to me. So I think about that. Kanye has a lot of young followers, and he is influential. He is a trendsetter. So that's where it gets scary. And Kyrie, I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan. I'm not a Kyrie fan. But still, I mean, that's a talented point guard promoting an anti-Semitic movie on his social media account. So yeah, I, I look at these stories, and I keep reading how it all unfolds. And it does hurt. I'm not desensitized to it. It does bring me down. It gets me both angry and sad at the same time. You're like, damn. Just some misinformed, hateful people in the spotlight with a lot of microphones in front of their faces. And obviously a lot of supporters too. Let's be honest, a lot of anti-Semites are like, yes, Kanye, yes, Kyrie, get them. Go after those Jews. Creating such an ugly snowball effect. Personally, I did not grow up focused on any of this. And maybe I was naive, maybe I was in a bubble. But I just, I don't remember this alarming feeling of just being so upset with the next anti-Semitic story, a racist story that surfaces. But now, I guess, as we age, you know, we want the world to keep improving in those moments that it feels like it's not. Those just, like, pierce you. They sting. I gauge a lot of my friends. I ask them, is this bothering you? Does it seem like there's a big uptick of anti-Semitism or is it just the media vehicles are presenting it more frequently. I don't know. It seems like there's an uptick, doesn't it? seems like there's more anti-Semitic stories right now. And if I ask my Jewish friends, are you upset about this? I'd say half of them are like, yeah, actually I am pretty down about it. And half are like, no, this is just a problem that's always existed. It's always going to exist and we are powerless. So when you're powerless, you kind of tap out. I wish I was desensitized in a sense. I think it'd be easier to just go, eh, nothing's going to happen. I'll never be able to change it. You just feel defeated. But I guess if you just feel defeated, like, you know, this is how it's going to be on planet Earth during my lifetime. Maybe there's something blissful about it, but if you get upset with each and every story, that sounds more difficult. Like, fight the good fight. It just has to be. It has to be. An underlying lack of education. Holocaust denial is actually a thing? How's that a thing? How is Holocaust denial a form of hating Jews? Isn't the exact opposite more hateful? Someone that celebrates the Holocaust? Jews would love if the Holocaust was not real. But it was. So anybody preaching anything different is just simply misinformed. Actually, not simply misinformed, but dangerously misinformed. If they truly believe that, which can happen with this amount of misinformation constantly spreading. I mean, really, if you grow up and you develop the belief that the Holocaust didn't happen, or if you develop a belief system that slavery didn't happen in America, then what is the idea of that thinking? Obviously, you were following some scary-ass propaganda to make it seem like, what, the Jews made it up to benefit in some way? 
Let's create that. I don't even understand. I can't even entertain the topic of denying history of people suffering. I can't even entertain that. But really, I was thinking if you truly hate Jews, then Holocaust denial? What's that? What, what is that? I guess I'm naive. But isn't democracy something that we all agree is good? Once again, I probably sound naive. Even this new really popular Rachel Maddow podcast called Ultra has totally surprised me. I still get stunned studying history. Like I'm the opposite of desensitized to this stuff. I still get stunned. We all can know the general concepts of how history is taught in a classroom, but if you do some in-depth reading about it, read some primary sources, go back in time a little bit, study it. Some of this stuff available, it's just, it's a lot. Like Rachel Maddow's podcast, she narrates it. She puts it together called Ultra. It examines the roots of Nazism that were forming in the U.S. in the 30s, the 1930s. I didn't know this. People were attending Nazi rallies here, San Diego, L.A., New York City, just waving the swastika flag here, here. That means there's some people here in the USA that are not totally on board with the idea of democracy. Some people just are not down with power to the people. They like that idea of fascism. They clamored on to Hitler's message here. And it's a binge worthy podcast where they incorporate interviews, news packages from old NBC radio clips where all news anchors seem to talk like this breaking news. Minnesota Senator Ernest Lundeen has died in a plane crash. His wife, Norma, is up in arms. The whole America first, the Christian coalition, I mean, all these hate groups. But now I go, okay, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense that Kanye Kyrie, way more than Kanye and Kyrie, are going to be looking at Jews as the problem, are going to be targeting Jews and Kyrie to a lesser extent. I don't want to lump them together. I know he just promoted a movie that he didn't watch. But maybe his beliefs, if he were to truly reveal them, are pretty ugly. But he seems to be keeping it close to the vest. He doesn't want to apologize. But he seems forced to by the Nets. You always got to love those forced apologies that are scripted for them. I did not mean to hurt anybody. I'm just a human like everybody. And I care about love, equality, and diversity. Very robotic, very formulaic. But I see it. Maybe that'll help me not get so shocked knowing that it's just embedded in society and always has been. The hatred of Jews. It can be just so deep. It's so deep into the fabric of this country that there were people who were down with the Nazi side of things prior to World War II and during World War II who were thinking, you know what, let's not go. Liberate those camps. Let's not go fight off those Germans. Let's let them just spread that Nazism throughout the world and then just get overtaken like the man in the high castle. Wasn't that the fiction Amazon Prime show where they showed us what the world would look like if the Axis powers would have won? And apparently there were people here in this country that were down with that. They were just down with that congressman who were just like, yeah, you know something? Let's allow Hitler to just reign supreme all over this thing that we fought for called democracy. Man, this episode I'm doing right now is not a fun or funny one. It's not lighthearted, although I'm calm right now. I am. I'm feeling level-headed. I put on lavender oil and frankincense oil. That was smart because I didn't want to just come out of the cannon 
boom, and just start going nuts about racism and anti-Semitism and all these wild stories in the news that are affecting a lot of people and hurting a lot of people. Instead, a couple drops of lavender oil, a couple drops of frankincense, and I don't even really know where frankincense comes from. I've never seen a frankincense plant. But then I put it on the jojoba Trader Joe's oil. That's a spreader oil. Put it all over my face, all over my temples, all over my neck the back of my head i'm covered in essential oils right now so i'm so calm as i'm discussing some of the most intense shit i could ever discuss and it feels a little much doesn't it i'm too sensitive for it i listen to ultra i'm too sensitive i just get pissed off i'm just driving in to work in the morning listen to this podcast i arrive just like with that feeling of fuck i want to fight then i calm down i go okay wait that's a story from the 30s Don't worry, that's an old story from the third. Nope. That sentiment still remains strong. How do I transition out of this? I bet I can. Let me go. Let me go with this. Let me go with this. Let me go with this. Our memories condense our entire lives into just some highlights. Like if someone said to you, what do you remember about being 11 years old? You might think of one or two things from that year. But we don't have biographical memories where we just go, yes, on that day I was wearing yellow shoes and I had lunch with my friend Pete. We had tuna melts, and then we went and played tennis, then creek walked, and then that night we watched RoboCop. No, we're not categorizing our lives with that many memories, and I think our memories just fade. Even if you have a good memory, it just fades. So iPhones, this invention called iPhones or smartphones, allow us to just catalog our lives. We constantly just walk around the world with our cameras, video cameras too, ready to document our lives and now we look back on photos and go oh yeah we all have the oh yeah photos you just scroll back if you have kids you scroll back and take a look at them when they were two three and you go whoa i don't remember that shirt i don't remember that day i don't even remember that face what was it like when the kid was that young life gets so condensed if we don't chronicle it somehow some way we're gonna forget a giant percentage of our existence and the people around us And before iPhones, you could write about it. You could still film it and photograph it, put it in albums, discuss it with relatives. Oral history is powerful. But iPhones, I mean, just take out your iPhone. If you've had the same iPhone, you got all those photos in the cloud, just scroll just with your thumb. Four times. And whatever photo comes up, it's you doing something special at a beach. You're on vacation. You're with your baby. You're at the hospital. You capture that feeling. It's amazing. If you didn't do that, if you didn't take any photos, simply moving forward is too easy. It's scary. And we forget the past. We're just shaped by it. We know we're shaped by it. But many people just go forward without reflecting. I think we're wired to go forward. Just go forward. Go forward. Reflection is even boring to some people. I mean, I like introspection. I like reflection. You know, talk about a memory from five years ago. It's fun, but most people don't. Most people are bored by that shit. They just go forward, go forward, go forward. Create new memories, new traditions, new people in our lives. Keep going and going forward. Then all of a sudden, iPhone will show you a montage of your kids from two years ago with some stock music. Some song that you're like, this is hokey, but why am I emotional? And they got all these photos from your phone. They package it in a way that they know they're going to make you cry. And you're like, whoa, the theme of this one was through the woods where they got all your hikes. They got all these photos of your hikes from the last five years. And you're like, oh boy, 
I needed that because I forgot it all. Most people have to, I think most people know they have to do something to document their existence. Even if it's something as simple as taking a bunch of iPhone photos. Even if you don't post them on any social media platforms, you got, you got to wonder, why am I doing this? Why are you doing that? I think it's beyond your understanding. I think it's beyond your comprehension. Beyond your control. You just think about legacy. Not, not a lot of us are constantly thinking about, how am I going to be remembered? What's the purpose of all this? But you do things. Like you record this podcast. The amount of people podcasting now? What are they doing? What's compelling them to do it? It's not money. It's not like they're trying to develop a real listenership or make a living doing it. A lot of people are just going to babble into a mic. And then one day, it's all going to be done. But something about feeling like you captured a moment. We don't capture most moments, but something about capturing a moment reflecting on just the past week of your life, writing a little journal entry. Before all this tech and electronics, there was a lot of diary entries. You study history, you could read Napoleon's diary. That day he got scared of the Russians. He got frozen up to his nuts and he decided it was time to flee as he wrote in his diary. Isn't that weird? A lot of these historic figures, their diaries are studied with their ink quill pens. Today it was rough as my soldiers had to flee once again. And this is my old timey diary voice, apparently. So capture something. Post it, frame it, record it, write it, capture something. Your legacy could impact somebody that's related to you or that's going to be related to you one day. You might have a great, great nephew one day who learns all about you and gets inspired and motivated. And that's going to be a motivating factor for you to live a purposeful life. Isn't it weird that there's some bad airlines still? It's 2022. You think about how long modern flight has been around? I guess I'll end on this nonsense. Isn't it kind of funny that there's still airlines that are known as shitty airlines? Shouldn't they all be amazing by now? People still say things like, you don't want to fly Spirit. Are you going to Denver? <sighs> you probably want to avoid Spirit. It's a whole airline. In 2022, I read reviews. People genuinely think that some flights are bumpy because the airline sucks. Can that be true? Honestly, is a good airline, what's a good airline? JetBlue, does that still exist? I don't know. Virgin, Delta. Are they doing something better at dealing with turbulence? These are real questions. If you read some reviews, like I Googled what are the worst airlines. There's one I've never heard of called Pegasus. Oh my God, the reviews were so funny. This is just like the shittiest airline. You get in the sky knowing this is a terrible company. It's a bad airline. These pilots are not that good. And the flight attendants are really not good. And what they're serving you is not good. It's not comfortable. There's no amenities. The plane's going to get bumped around by wind more than the better airlines. But it's a better deal. Right? If it's a better deal to go on Spirit, you're like, all right, I guess I could deal with all that shit. An airline can suck today and still have people just go there. I don't know. I'd like to learn that. Are there airlines that actually navigate a smoother flight and people pay more for that? I don't know. Like my wife's looking for flights right now to Minnesota and she's like, oh, sun country. I don't know about that. They should all be so good. You're going to get into the sky. You're going to put your life into the sky with pilots. Shinny in the sky with pilots. 
It shouldn't be I'm reading reviews of how bad it is. There's other things. There's other things where you could read reviews about how bad it is. Airlines? Yeah, our flight had a pretty brutal landing. Got knocked around pretty good up there in the sky. Pilot didn't seem to know what was going on when he checked in with us. The cabin was loud. The passengers were ornery. One star. Tonight's podcast? Give me all the stars. Drop a nice rating. It's $1.99. All right? We're on the precipice of something special. I don't know when I'm going to drop 200 but it should be something extraordinary, shouldn't it? The next episode is 200 If you're still with me on this journey, on this audio experience, then I will guarantee this little cliffhanger, like reality TV, next time on Here We Go, Josh is going to examine some wonderful stuff, maybe interviews, I don't know. My producer, he's going to put together a very, very special episode. But until then, I'm wishing you good health and peace of mind. And if you're wondering how to attain that, what's a shortcut? Frankincense, lavender oil. Google it. The benefits of frankincense and lavender oil. It's like, it's good for insomnia, depression, anxiety. Your skin, your brain, your mind, your health. You'll be convinced. Just Google it up. All right, that's episode 199. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 